Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm joined today by Dr. Joe Malone. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you in person. We had you on the show a few weeks ago, and now we can have another conversation in person and get to continue our conversation. It's great to see you in person, and you have a great area that you live in. Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful. here. And it's I love the fact that we can have an in-person conversation because mm-hmm. I just I always I like those better than the remote ones in general. So same, same here. Yeah, this will be good. So in our last episode, we were talking about how men and women bond biologically, all of the chemical things that go into that. And this time we're going to be talking about how hormonal birth control disrupts that process, how it interferes with the type of men that women are attracted to and just interferes with men and and women's relationships in general. Mm -hmm. Hormonal birth control, obviously. Um, So let's just jump into that. How does hormonal birth control affect the bonding process of men and women? Well, it's it's amazing, Colleen, but... I was just talking about this yesterday to a bunch of college students and professors, and the professors didn't even know about these effects. But um, the really bad uh, effect that a lot of birth control has on young women is that when they're on on it, they are attracted to men that they wouldn't necessarily be attracted to if they weren't on it. And yeah. (laughs) Why? Why does that happen? Well, it it, uh, causes changes in the hormonal uh, makeup of the brain to where uh, the brain and, and the body of the woman thinks that they're, you can look at it two ways, like their second half of their cycle, like mm-hmm. the luteal uh, part of the cycle or uh, pregnancy, they're, they're pregnant. In other words, it shuts down the, the normal cycle and in the normal cycle, in the follicular stage, the first part, you know, the first half basically, mm-hmm. uh, other than the, the period, the time of the period, after the period is over, there's usually a really sharp increase in, in sexual desire for one thing. And, um, basically from day eight, if uh, day one is the first, the start of the period and day Mm -hmm. five is your typical end. Mm -hmm. So the third day after the end, so eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, maybe 14, even, um, women's estrogen levels increase sharply. Okay. Normally, this is a normally cycling woman. Okay. Who's not on birth control. Just correct. Your average woman who's not using any kind of birth control. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about the normal and then we'll talk about what birth control (laughs) does to it. So, um, and not only does her estrogen increase greatly, and I mean, when I say greatly, I mean, uh, greatly isn't strong enough. It increases by 200 times Wow! in that, what we call that fertile window. Because mm-hmm. uh, women are all, only fertile for like five days, five to six days. And mm-hmm. the, the, those are the days we're talking about. And so estrogen increases by 200 times. And that, you know, in percentage terms, that's 20,000 times. So to, if you think about that like that, it's just a huge difference. And estrogen is really a sex receptive hormone. Testosterone, which also rises in the woman at this time, but again, compared to the men's amount, testosterone is not very much, but, but it's a sex, sex seeking, you know, hormone. Okay. So, um, the natural cycle then is for that to happen. And so between the eight, eighth day and about the 14th day, um, sexual desire rises sharply. And again, the whole flicker, you know, uh, process of the egg maturing and being released, that all happens. And if, uh, uh, you know, sexual intercourse happens somewhere in that time period and and the egg is met by the sperm along somewhere somewhere along the way in the, I guess, in the fallopian tubes, that uh, then pregnancy takes place. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't happen, then the the second half of the cycle kicks in and the, the progesterone rises, estrogen starts dropping. And and the, and the woman goes into a phase of of um, 
basically going from a really highly desirous uh, stage at, during the um, follicular stage to a more of a chilled, um, you know, um, relaxing, um, not, not very motivated, and especially t- toward the end, you know, of, of the 28 to 30 days. So what birth control does, what hormone birth control does, is it takes that first part, that follicular part, the time, the part that where the estrogen is sharply rising and testosterone is, is rising, and it just basically flattens it out. Okay. And so basically for the whole whole month, the woman feels like she's in the luteal phase, which is the kind of not motivated, certainly not sexually motivated, and not necessarily motivated to um, find a man that has high genetic quality. In that flick, I mean, in, in that uh, fertile window, she will have the greatest chance during the month to be interested in uh, alpha male types, the genetically fit guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's that first half, especially again, that eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 time period. Mm-hmm. And, and then it fades into the, the second half. If she were to, you know, have sex with a gentleman at that, that time, it would probably, she would probably choose if she didn't have one. Mm-hmm. And if she was fairly, you know, promiscuous, I guess, um, she would probably choose someone that was more of a trustworthy type of a person, more of a, a good dad, maybe in the future, mm-hmm. a husband you wouldn't have to necessarily worry about, you know, wandering, that type of thing. So with birth control pills or other, otherwise, mm-hmm. what when you flatten that out, when you take basically that first part out, then you take away her normal um, desire for looking for a guy that may be more genetically fit, maybe more more rough, uh, maybe more daring, that type of thing. Genetically dissimilar to her, I believe, as well. I believe that right. women on birth control tend to be attracted to men more genetically similar versus women who are just naturally cycling or right. more attracted to men that have different genetics because that means that their children are going to have like the best immune system because you're getting two different immune systems yeah. and having yeah. the best of both worlds. So. It doesn't seem like a problem that a woman would be more attracted when she's on birth control to a man who is a good dad or very trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So what's the problem with that? <laughs> great, great question. Here's the problem, Colleen, um, and an audience. <laughs> what happens, what's been happening in, in certain situations, and not always, but women that have this happen to them and, and go into this kind of altered mental state and mm-hmm. altered attraction state, um, let's give you the, the scenario, the, the, probably the typical scenario, uh, a, a man and woman in our society today, you know, they're attracted to each other, um, and, uh, maybe thinking of maybe, you know, down the road getting married, uh, but they're not saving sex for marriage. Mm-hmm. Very typical. Um, they start, and, and again, they probably, if they're having sex, they start to, she may already be on birth control mm-hmm. and she may be choosing her, her, this man, you know, on birth control. And be thinking, her brain may be thinking like the second half of, mm-hmm. of the cycle or if she were pregnant. Uh, so she's already in the state you just described. She's looking, she's more attracted to a man that would be like maybe remind her of her family or you know, be genetically similar, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so as they go through this relationship and she is, again, on, on these birth control pills or she goes on them to keep from being getting pregnant because they, they start having sex, mm-hmm. um, when they get married, typically they get married and maybe whatever year or two go down the line and they decide we want to have children, you know? And so she goes off the, the birth control pills. And and when she does, she finds her, she's attracted to these other guys, these guys, guys that are, you know, more, more genetically fit, uh, rougher, uh, more masculine, more of the, the bad guy type of thing. 
and she's no longer necessarily attracted to her husband. And, and so she, uh, when she was on birth control and they were getting together and get, you know, uh, dating and probably and having sex and that type of thing, she was attracted to him. But then, and they, when they didn't want to have a baby, but when they want to have a baby and she goes off the birth control, now she's no longer attracted to him. She's attracted to these other guys, maybe the guys at work or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a bad, um, it's a bad thing for a marriage for one thing, because mm-hmm. you don't want the wife to now be attracted to other guys and not her husband. It seems like for a woman who's naturally cycling, she gets the best of both worlds because mm-hmm. during the first half of her cycle, she's attracted to men who are genetically dissimilar, who are very masculine, manly, yeah. high testosterone levels, I'm guessing. Right. Versus, and then as she moves into the second half of her cycle, she can then, if she's dating him, also evaluate him. Would he be a good dad? Would he be a good provider? And kind of both parts of her brain are working in sync to be able to, if you're dating chastely, be able to determine that this gentleman is going to be a good husband and father going down the line. Mm-hmm. But a woman who is only on, who's on birth control loses that first half of, am I actually attracted to him on a biological level and mm-hmm. only gets to evaluate him on the, is he a good dad? Is he a good provider perspective? Which again, those aren't bad qualities to be looking for, right. but you need to, I guess, for a good marriage, have the attraction to your spouse as well as mm. the recognition that they're going to be a good provider and a good dad to your children. Is right. that a good sum yeah. oh, up of per- it? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. Better than I could explain it. <laughs> it's, and it's that chemistry. I mean, normally mm-hmm. it's, like, it's chemistry, that first half of the cycle, that kind of animal magnetism type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the chemistry isn't there, that's, that's a kind of a, the, the base of, um, why they're attracted to each other and why they're attracted to each other, that, that animal chemistry, that, that, uh, pheromonal, you know, mm-hmm. ch- chemistry that's telling them if they are highly attracted to each other, that they're going to probably have really healthy babies, as you were mm-hmm. saying, because they are dissimilar enough, uh, as far as their immune systems and other things like that, that the baby that's going to be produced from them is going to have a an excellent one, uh, the combination of both of theirs. Mm-hmm. So, um, that animal magnetism or that animal attraction that um, I guess just really visceral and, and like physical attraction mm-hmm. is an important element to it. As you just described, mm-hmm. the other part is, is important as, as well because uh, there's so many young women that, that end up, you know, all on that side. They're all, on, <laughs> all on that. They're always going after the like very masculine man yeah. and not looking at the good father qualities as well. Yeah. And, and the, it's interesting because the research shows that the, not all, of course, but the uh, high proportion of masculine, the alpha male types, don't they aren't very good at staying married. They mm-hmm. aren't very good at staying true to that one woman, you know. So there's a downside to being too focused on the flickier half, you mm-hmm. know, and the, the animal part of it, so to speak, um, just physical attraction. But like you said, you described it really well. I think the combination of the two is what's supposed to happen because you're supposed to have maybe initially you're going to have that that attraction that the spark the chemistry yeah chemistry is really i mean it literally is chemistry mm-hmm. because it's pheromonal you know so it's it's things that are going between the two um that they don't even they don't perceive it consciously mm-hmm. but they just feel it you know it was interesting because when i was preparing for the podcast i was reading an article from a magazine that was quoting a book i think it's by dr sarah hill the your mm-hmm. brain on birth control i think yeah. that's what they were quoting good book and they were talking about how women who are on birth control are going to be attracted to genetically similar men. But what will happen often is if they get married and she goes off birth control, they might have trouble conceiving because of the similarities in genes as well. So because you're not necessarily attracted to someone who is genetically equipped to mm. be able to have a good, healthy pregnancy and good, healthy children, mm. not that ch- that's always going to happen, but 
you there is this risk that women run in marrying someone who is very genetically similar, who they're only attracted to on birth control because they aren't necessarily going to have an easy time conceiving or have as healthy children in the long run. And yeah. I thought that was a really interesting point because I'd never thought about how it affects the actual fertility and ability mm-hmm. to conceive. I only knew about it from the, mm-hmm. what type of men are you attracted to? Yeah, exactly. And that that's a bit of what I was getting at with, with uh, and I, I should have gone a little further with it, but when you have those dissimilar um, immune systems and, and, and again, that really, really strong physical attraction, that's really the body's way of telling everybody that, 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 you're probably going to, the man is probably going to be able to get her uh, pregnant readily. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because she's not going to be able, I mean, she would not be as readily impregnated by somebody if she actually was, you know, it was a genetically similar person, literally in, 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 mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in real life. Let's say like a cousin or something like that. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not going to be as effective to be, to create a pregnancy with two cousins, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as it is with somebody that's very dissimilar and first, and probably the two cousins aren't going to be attracted to each other anyway, you know, very, very much. And, or, or heaven forbid, uh, siblings or whatever. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, in a situation like that, that, like that, where that has actually happened, where there's been incest like that, I think it's, I think in generally it, it doesn't happen for the most part, as far as a pregnancy happening. Mm. Or if it does, you know, there's all kinds of issues, you know, I mean, the baby has all kinds of issues. As you see with all the European dynasties back yeah. in like the Middle Ages and like when they would all marry cousins. Yeah to be able to keep the bloodline going. And you saw all the deformities that came out of that. Yeah. And, and I think that they literally, a lot of them, um, I don't recall a particular case, but uh, just generally, I think that they had trouble mm-hmm. if it was a relative of some kind like that. They had trouble conceiving, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a huge deal to them because that line, that especially that male heir, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they would work and work and work. But if they were close, if they had some kind of a relative uh, situation going on, it, it it's like shooting yourself in the foot because you you definitely need that um, the 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 two gene patterns to be um, separate from each other and, mm-hmm. and then again uh, I I feel like God has put it in us to have the attraction to that other person that mm-hmm. we're going to end up if it does become a marriage we're going to end up you know creating a, a beautiful set of children mm-hmm. off of that because of the the way we are dissimilar and be, and that. Infatu- infatuation or lust or love, you know, that that's there, there at the beginning, that's signifying that there's going to be a really, really good matchup there. And, th- and it's, it's meant to be. So again, I think it's a God um, mm-hmm. ordained thing, you know, as far as he sets us up to be attracted to people where you're going to be able to have healthy children. And then because you're not attracted to people that are like family members, you're not going to end up in those weird situations where cousins yeah. marry each other or anything like that. You're kind of genetically, Oh, what's the word? Genetically like ordered towards the other yeah. and having good, healthy children. And that's leads into the attraction as well. Exactly. The, the attraction and the healthy, healthy children, I think go to go together. Is yeah. it true that women on birth control are like attracted to men that are more effeminate? Well, that, I think that would be part of it. Yeah. Okay. I was asking about the effeminate um, men because I've heard people theorize that's why the Harry Styles, the Timothy Chalamets of the world, like you have more effeminate stars in movies and people were theorizing that the reason that they're kind of like the idols of all the teenage girls is because you have so many girls that are on birth control. That's the type of men they're attracted to mm-hmm. versus you look back in like the fifties and people are attracted to the John Wayne, the Gregory Peck types that had more masculine yeah. qualities about them. And I thought that was a really interesting explanation for why the type of men that are like 
the pop stars of the day mm-hmm. have to, or movie stars of the day have changed throughout the years. So. I, yeah, I think that's very interesting too. And to throw something else in on that, um, you know, you may or may not be aware of this, but for about the last 40 years at least, mm-hmm. um, testosterone levels have been dropping like a, like mm. a percent, percent a year. Why is that? Um, well, there people, the science doesn't really know absolutely for sure mm-hmm. yet, but the, the suspicion is that it's the uh, chemicals that are going into the environment uh, uh, that haven't been there in the past before mm-hmm. that. So, Do you think some of that is the fact that women on birth control are putting estrogen in the water? Some of it is, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that, that's a that's a problem that nobody seems to be able to be able to address because it's just you know in the system, in the urine, into the water, and you can't filter that that out of the water. So mm-hmm. everybody's getting. You know, From, I did a little bit of research about that because mm-hmm. we have an animated video on that topic, and mm-hmm. it basically sounded like in order for birth control pills to have estrogen that isn't just washed out by the liver they mm-hmm. have to be synthetic and they have to be very strong mm-hmm. but what happens is it ends up in the water and because they make it very strong because it's the synthetic estrogen mm-hmm. it then cannot be filtered out by or not as easily filtered out by water in like right. water treatment plants and that, that that and also then the plastics you know mm-hmm. so there's so many things that we so many liquids that we uh drink out of plastics or they're they're, they're packed into plastics and so the plastics have a very synthetic uh, version of estrogen in them too bpa especially so mm-hmm. there's there's a and there's another chemical called phylates um that that again it's in like uh, rugs fibers it's only in all these different things that uh in p- people absorb it you know they, they absorb it through the skin and it's one of the, the, the main ones that they're they're suspecting is behind this male um it's, it's affecting the males the most not only is it lowering testosterone counts but by about a percent a year so okay. dropped 40 percent in the last 40 years wow. so so your your guy from now uh, that's born into this mm-hmm. is going to be looking at you know it's like a, a a much lower um testosterone level you know over over his lifetime because he's in that environment the ones like my age that were born in that um the old environment they have a lot less of a tendency because it's all already built up as far as their their, their peak levels so Interesting. and then along with that um i want to get back to the thing you said earlier about the, about the births uh, mm-hmm. about the close relatives and the births and that that, that that type of thing because i think it, it figures into another is, issue uh but but uh not only is it testosterone dropping by about a percent a year but also sperm counts are mm. and so as sperm counts are dropping you know, again, this, um, who the w- young women are attracted to, again, kind of all of it works together. If testosterone is dropping and sperm counts are wa- dropping, then, and the chemistry of the man on the inside is changing like this, the, the young man, mm-hmm. then what's going to be, um, out there, you know, on the market, so to speak, is going to be a lot lower testosterone product than, than has been in the past. Like you mentioned, John Wayne and, you know, the fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, the, and the, then, um, the other thing that I think this this uh, affects, mm-hmm. and I think this is interesting to think think about, it's interesting, but it's sobering and, and alarming, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you've um, heard about the birth gap uh, situation. The, the no. birth, what's okay. the birth gap? Well, it's actually a documentary that was made by I think he's an economist. Okay, but he 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 picked up on the fact that around the world, the developing countries in the world. I'm sorry, the, the developed. The mm-hmm. countries in the world, um, like us, uh, South Korea, Italy, um, China, for sure, mm-hmm. um, a bunch of other ones, uh, are 
they're experiencing an amount of births uh, now that are so much less than the births that have been in the few, in the in the past that they're not re- being able to replace. Okay, yeah, it's a demographic winter. Correct. Do you think then that the fertility, because so a man, man's sperm count is lower and he's not necessarily as fertile as the man 50 years ago, do you think that that demographic winter is being caused by infertility though or do you think it's being caused by the prevalence of contraception and abortion? Because it seems like contraception and abortion is a much bigger part of that puzzle and not that infertility doesn't play into it, but I feel it seems like most of that birth cap is coming from people not wanting kids and avoiding kids rather than people not being able to have kids. It's, it's both, I think. Okay. And I think that a lot of young women um, think that they have a long time of, mm-hmm. of, uh, to have babies. They think they're not aware of their fertility kind of window mm-hmm. and um, fertility window really for women. The peak of fertility is age 19 to 29. Okay. For men, it's 24 to 26. Okay. So I think on this birth gap situation that we're talking about, if the, the young women, again, there's all these things about, you know, getting your degree, your, your undergraduate degree, getting your master's degree, mm-hmm. getting a profession, and both maybe the male and the female are both trying to get established in professions. They find themselves very quickly at the, at the early 30s. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, I think that they don't uh, necessarily – at that point, they don't realize that they're not able to find a suitable mate. They mm-hmm. thought they were going to just be able to do these things and then find somebody readily. Mm-hmm. But the, the pool, uh, available pool, has, has dropped as far mm-hmm. as the ones that they would maybe, maybe find desirable. So it's a combination of things. And when it, uh, and, and it doesn't help the things we've been talking about, the this, this sperm counts dropping and, and the testosterone counts dropping and that type of thing, which takes away what used to be the normal um, drive that particularly males had to try to get a, get a wife to be able to carry out, you know, sexual activity. And, and not only that, the hooking hookup culture allows, you know, much more free sexual activity. And then to throw one more log on the fire, uh, porn, you know, porn is, as has, has had a huge effect, I think. So it's all really made it where um, our, our rate of marriage has dropped so much. And, and married women have many more children on average than than unmarried. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more married women we're, we're seeing, the more more the birth gap isn't a problem because they're they're having children, particularly if they're they're getting married younger. But with the average age of marriage at twenty seven, and then uh, for women and, and thirty for for men, uh, a lot of them are finding themselves uh, in a situation where it's difficult to get pregnant, mm-hmm. and they weren't anticipating that. So at age 30, you have half the chance of getting pregnant as you did at age 20 mm-hmm. as a woman. Interesting. And, and if by 35, it's really, really dropped down. And between 35 and 45, it becomes almost near impossible without, you know, artificial means. The artificial means um, are very expensive and they have some really downsides that most people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Like IVF and they're, well, first of all, they're immoral because you're separating mm-hmm. sex from babies, but right. they're also yeah, not healthy and not necessarily going to create good children either. So. Yeah. And here's, here's how the good children, they're not creating good children. That's a good way to put it, uh, happens. Most people may not know this, but when they have to kind of stoke the woman's uh, fertility with these mm-hmm. fertility drugs th- and they create these multiple eggs, you know, uh, mm-hmm. c- coming and they, they create uh, the situation where triplets, twins, triplets, even beyond, even more than that mm-hmm. are happening much more often. And so 
when there's triplets, um, usually the, the birth weight is so, so much smaller, like mm-hmm. five pounds, you know, each, maybe less. Mm-hmm. And the lower the birth weight, the less of a survival chance that the babies have. So they end up, they end up uh, having all these babies die that wouldn't have died before if they would probably if they just would have gotten pregnant younger mm-hmm. in, in their in their in their life. Well, and a lot of times what happens with IVF as well is that ninety percent, well, a bunch of the embryos are killed off, um, either frozen and they end up dying. I think it's ninety percent, and. Or what happens is if a woman gets pregnant with multiple children, they'll use abortion to like basically weed out the different children and pick one to be carried so that you don't end mm. up with it at low birth rates. So it ends up that process ends up killing multiple children. Right. Even if the couple does succeed in having a baby. So right. there's it... a lot of ethical problems with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I actually want to go back to talking about the effect of birth control on men and women's bonding. Sure. Does a woman being on birth control affect how a man is attracted to her? Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Because I've never heard anyone talk about that. I've heard, seen a lot of articles being like, women don't go on birth control. It's going to affect the type of men that you're attracted to. I've never heard anyone address if it, attra- if it changes which men are attracted to her or how attractive she is to other men. Let me give you a scenario. Okay. <laughs> Let me give you a, a, a research study that may shed light on this. Okay. Um, Again, when you take birth control pills or any kind of hormonal, mm-hmm. it could be the patch or the IUD or whatever, you're, you're messing around with the system that God created. And the, the system uh, is very, very um, fine-tuned and very, very effective if it's just, if it's just left alone. Now, this is going to sound like a crazy example, but I think you'll see where I'm going with it. Okay. Um, they, there was research done on uh, women that were naturally cycling. So, again, naturally cycling – woman is, is our norm, you know, mm-hmm. from our history, from ancestry. And it's, it's again, a strange uh, circumstance, but they went to Las Vegas to do this, this research mm-hmm. and they, they did it with lab dancers. Oh, and what they did, what they did, did was uh, they had these lab dancers. Some of them were on, on birth control. Mm-hmm. Some of them were naturally cycling and, and in their fertile window. And some of them were naturally cycling and not in their fertile window. Mm-hmm. And what they what they did, what they measured was how much how much tips, how many, t- what would the percentage uh, difference in their tips were between in the naturally cycling ones between when they were in their fertile window and when they were not in the fertile window. And then then also they threw in the ones that were on birth control. Mm-hmm. Only the ones that were naturally cycling and only the ones in the fertile window uh, saw this this phenomenon happen. But they they ended up having seventy five percent higher tips during that fertile window than they did uh, uh, during the rest of the month. And then, the, again, the, the ones that were on birth control didn't have any. They didn't have any change. And it was all pretty much low as far as how much, how much tips they were getting. So in answer to your question, I think, you know, again, it's an unconscious type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a huge probably attraction or non-attraction if a, a woman is on natural – if she's naturally cycling and so she's going into that fertile window – once a month for five or six days. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say I don't re- remember offhand any uh, studies per se on whether men, you know, specifically are not attra- as attracted to the birth control taking woman mm-hmm. or not. But from that angle of it, where we know that the naturally cycling woman and in her fertile window is ex- appears to be extremely uh, attractive mm-hmm. to men, even though they don't realize why. Because mm-hmm. here's here's the story on it. Um, during that during the site during the um, 
natural cycling woman's uh, fertile window, there are these pheromones called copulants. Mm-hmm. Not to be too graphic, but during during the um, uh, other than a fertile window time of the month, mm-hmm. those the copulants are further up inside the vagina, so they're not they're not getting to the point where they're airborne. Mm-hmm. And so during the fertile window, though, they do they come to the near the entrance and they they become airborne. So if you're close to her. As like in the lap dancing situation, if you're the, if you're in that close of proximity, the man's um, venomoral uh, organ up in his in his nose, which is what happened in his nose, which is again I'm probably mispronouncing it, but but it's the thing that senses. It doesn't really smell, but it senses fer- those pheromones, mm-hmm. and that would be what was motivating them to put more money in. So uh, they call them copulants. If I, if I haven't said that already, so. So, um, again, there's a really fine-tuned um, system going mm-hmm. on here between, that God, I think, has created uh, between men and women that's supposed to be left alone. And if it's left alone, then, then I think the, the, the right people will have a tendency more, le- more than not to get together and, and create these, these marriages and families. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you put hormonal birth control into it, into the mix, you're corrupting that mm-hmm. would be the way that I would say it. So you also compared birth control to, you compared it at first to the second half of the woman's cycle, but also to pregnancy. Mm-hmm. What happens when a couple is married then and the woman gets pregnant? What happens to that attraction to each other? As far as just your, she hasn't been on birth control? Or? No, birth control. Just normal, naturally cycling woman gets married to a man she's attracted to and they get pregnant. What happens to her attraction to her spouse at that point? First her, to him? Yeah, or both to each other. Um. Well, I, it drops a bit because uh, normally because okay. uh, uh, her progesterone levels are higher, you know, mm-hmm. and progesterone is, is really all about creating the baby, you mm-hmm. know, so, so the attention goes on to, on the baby and uh, the, the husband, if all things are equal, has a tendency to be more of a, you know, more of a, um, the father, the fatherly thing starts happening with him as far, as far as less of a sexual, you know, feeling for his wife and more mm-hmm. of a protective fatherly you know take care of her uh there's even the whole sympathetic you know what she's feeling he starts feeling and that type of thing so on average i think there's exceptions because there's some women i think that um feel more sexual you know against rare but they feel more sexual if they're pregnant Mm -hmm. and some men actually find women that are pregnant more more sexually attractive but but Mm -hmm. but it's but it's uh more very rare Mm -hmm. on that 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 side of it it's more of a um they go into a different mode Mm -hmm. into the here comes parenthood mode, you know? Yeah. And then as a matter of fact, you know, when the baby's born and the father holds it for the first time or whatever, there's a pheromonal exchange that's going on, especially if like it's skin, they're skin to skin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an exchange that's going on between the two that really um, promotes bonding. Okay. Uh, his, his testosterone literally, literally drops by 50% for one thing. Okay. And then his cortisol drops by 300%. So he's a lot, he's more, a lot more chill. And then also his estrogen, which he doesn't have very much of to begin with, but it rises by 200%. Estrogen and, and, and oxytocin, which is his secondary bonding chemical mm-hmm. and, and his wife's primary bonding chemical, uh, his uh, oxytocin and estrogen, which has risen now in him because of this baby holding the baby and the, and the pheromonal exchange, um, it all, it, all three of those things work to bond him not only to his wife more tightly, but also now to the, to the baby. And when, when I look at that whole chemical setup, that whole chemical pro- progression, I can't, um, 
not think that it's designed by God to reinforce mm-hmm. monogamy and reinforce, you know, uh, bringing the bonding process together and really kind of fi- finalizing the bonding process because now not only the husband and wife are bonded to each other more deeply, but also they're bonded to this baby together because she's been bonding to it probably already. But if she's breastfeeding, that the oxytocin bond is being uh, really, really strongly um, reinforced. Interesting. And, and even during the birth process, you know, the birth process itself, her oxytocin is going up. And there's all these wondrous things that are happening now that we realize that we don't didn't used to, not that many years ago, but the whole, her... Uh, biome you know her biome with the baby's born naturally a vaginal birth Mm -hmm. then the baby's being covered by the protective um elements that of her her immune system basically Mm -hmm. that's one reason why if you can avoid um having a cesarean section you want to try to do that because Mm -hmm. it's really kind of the beginning of the the baby's strong strong immune system so there's all these processes that go on yeah and they're best left alone yeah I feel like in some ways, like you said, we're learning a lot more than we used to know. I feel like in some ways having generations of women on birth control and seeing the bad effects that had, like people, when they created the birth control pill, I'm sure that nobody was sitting there being like, oh, this will make women attracted to a different, like a genetically similar type of man. And Mm -hmm. when she gets off the birth control, she won't be attracted to him anymore. But because we've had women on birth control, in a sense, it's led to a greater appreciation for God's system that he's created because Mm -hmm. we're seeing all the problems that ensue when you start taking over a woman's hormones and making yeah. her body think it's pregnant all the time. Yeah. And, so. uh, and that's kind of just the beginning because um, I'm looking at my notes here, so don't forget <laughs> anything. Um, but they did a very large study in Denmark as over a million wow. uh, women and over like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so it was like um, almost impossible to say that it wasn't extremely, extremely accurate. So, um, but what they found in it was that on birth control, the depression levels of females and particularly the females 15 to 19 years old, mm-hmm. you know, what we would consider the young ones, the teenagers just were out of sight. They were two to 300% higher. And then especially on these, on the, the methods that were not so much the oral, but, but the, the patch, mm-hmm. the IUD, the vaginal ring, mm-hmm. it just, these young girls just, it, it made them so depressed and mm-hmm. it raised their um, suicidal ideation in some cases, you know, attempts. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the ones that are older than 19, it also, it was like in the 80s and 90s, you know, mm-hmm. percent of uh, raising of their depression and anxiety levels. Um, but it's, it's been, it was a terrible, terrible outcome as far as seeing that it, it does things to women mentally that, that uh, most people don't even ever give a second thought. They take, you know, women take, are on a prescribed birth control, as you, I'm sure you know, and as I'm sure as your audience knows, if they have any knowledge of med- medical matters, uh, doctors often j- prescribe them for, to girls for like acne mm-hmm. or if their period isn't, isn't regular, mm-hmm. if they don't think their period is regular enough and things like that. So um, without any thought to uh, the types of things as far as the, the, the effect on the brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have, we have a tendency, if you've been around uh, fitness, the fitness industry or gyms, that type of thing, to think and and really expect somebody that a guy that's on anabolic steroids which is synthetic testosterone when he starts taking those there's often big mood changes big big personality even changes and we accept that readily you know roid rage and that type of thing but it's basically the same thing a woman taking taking a hormonal birth control instead of just taking a bunch of um synthetic 
estrogen and progesterone basically so mm-hmm. making that fooling their body into thinking it's pregnant so why wouldn't that change who who mm-hmm. who she is and, and literally it goes beyond just uh changing who she's attracted to it's also changing who she is as far as how she feels you know mm-hmm. and so when again i obviously haven't been on, on them myself but from what i understand from women who go off of them oftentimes they've lost they lost all their highs and lows in in, in the in their emotions when they're on hormonal birth control and then when they go off they it comes back well hopefully it comes back sometimes it doesn't come back that's the scary part it c- doesn't come back for a long time they're they're normal you know mm-hmm. cycling and they don't get they don't necessarily get their period sometimes back you know mm-hmm. i mean the period even goes away so uh it changes who they are mm-hmm. and that's scary because because most women you know are, are, they want to be who they really are mm-hmm. and uh the people around them too you know, they lose who they who they actually were I've heard it also affects their sense of smell. Would that be their actual sense of smell or would that be that organ up in the nose that senses pheromones? You know, it could be some of both because I have heard that too, that, that okay. women actually literally do, you know, their sense of smell changes. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me because when we when we mess around with that hormonal structure in the brain, yeah, it, we have a tendency to change a bunch of stuff that we didn't necessarily you know, intend to because yeah. the brain is so complex and that hormonal structure, mm-hmm. uh, neurotransmitter structure as well, you know, it, it, it's very, I think, uh, fine, fine tuned mm-hmm. and, and to take, to, to take that kind of uh, volume of, of a hormone basically mm-hmm. and, and, um, expect things not to be, not to be any different. It, it's just, it's pretty foolish really. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of women aren't necessarily taught that much about their fertility, but it does affect so much of a woman's body and how she thinks and feels and just her health in general. And I feel like we're coming to a greater appreciation of that now, seeing all the really terrible effects that birth mm-hmm. controls had on women. Yeah. So, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap up for today? Yeah. One, a couple of quick things. Um, not only all the, <laughs> the other bad things we've talked about and, and there really aren't that many positives, you know, when you think about it, as far as, um, the things that it does for you, you know, as far as, um, because you can control this process by just being aware of your fertility when you're fertile Mm -hmm. and when you're not, you know, I know that. And recognize that the types of guys that you're attracted to when you're in the first half of your cycle might not always be good for you. So making sure you reevaluate them in the second half. Yeah. And being with them for a while, if Mm -hmm. particularly what I do is I try to educate, you know, on Mm -hmm. this, how this whole, uh, how, how the sexual product of us works, you know, both Mm -hmm. males and females. And so if, if females become more aware of this, how, how their monthly cycle affects Mm -hmm. them, uh, they can, they can, uh, be better self-managers just like Mm -hmm. the males can be better self-managers as well. But, um, the other, a couple other things I wanted to mention that are bad, their downsides of, of hormonal birth control. And one is that it really, really drops most women's sex drive. Now, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the, you know, um, I, there are, there's a young woman that I know that was having difficulty with her sex drive. And knowing that I was kind of the professional in the area, she, she came to me and wanted, wanted advice. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, well, you know, um, this, I don't want to be too personal, but are you on birth control? And she said, yes. And I go, well, that may be part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I go, are you on antidepressants by chance? And she said, yes. And so both of those, antidepressants and birth control, both of them independently lower a woman's uh, sex drive. And you're probably on the antidepressants if a woman is taking birth control because she's more likely to be depressed as well. Right. That, uh, that's a good point. They probably boost boost each other, boost yeah. the chances of each other. So that, And the two together are terrible together because they just put a woman's libido through the floor basically so mm. 
she went away, you know, and, and I said, well, you should talk to your doctor about this, but I think if the problem is that at least one or both of those, you know? Mm -hmm. And so she went away and, um, when she came back, she, she had gone off of them, gone off of both. And, uh, she goes, yeah, she goes, it came, came back. It took a while, but it came back. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's another thing that most people don't realize. And the other thing is in the trials, Colleen, Mm -hmm. um, they really, really covered up a lot of this, but they're, they're a pretty strong clot raiser. They raised the, the chances of a woman getting a clot, a blood clot. Oh, interesting. That and was, yeah. yeah. And that what there wasn't, uh, you know, a lot of, there's been some that have died from those, from blood clots going to the lungs. And it also, they also raise cancer risks, certain kinds of cancer. They actually lower a little bit certain kinds of cancer risk, but they raise these other ones that are, that are more, um, common i guess you'd say yeah like breast cancer yeah yeah we had dr angela lamparanchi on the podcast back mm -hmm. in may i believe may mm -hmm. or june mm -hmm. and she was talking about that how it can lower certain types of cancer that are pretty rare but then it raises breast cancer which is one of the most common types of cancer in my experience and it's been quite a while now most everything that's unnatural uh when when we apply it to the, to the human person mm -hmm. uh, ends up having a negative effect mm -hmm. and some more than others i mean it makes sense. If you're living a virtuous life, you're living the way that God intended you to live and you're practicing virtue, it's also going to have a effect on your, like physically, we're body, soul mm -hmm. composites. So doing what's good for your soul will also be good for your body. So anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for coming out and joining us in the studio and having an in-person You're episode. very, very welcome. Thanks for having me. And again, it's been a pleasure. And to all of our listeners, please like, subscribe, check out the new eBooks that we have coming out and leave us a review, five-star review, and keep on living the culture of life. God bless.